G'day everyone and welcome to the first week of the finals edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast. Not only were there some fantastic games played over the weekend, but since we last spoke on the Crows there's just been a ton going on. So uh, without any further ado whatsoever, why don't we just get straight into it, shall we? G'day everyone and welcome to the weekend wrap for the first week of the finals. Thanks to everyone who's joining us on Discord, Facebook and YouTube and also on Twitch of course. If you want to get amongst us on Discord, uh, don't forget if you haven't got the Discord app, you can go straight to the AFL Procast website, go to the live chat page, follow your nose there and you don't even have to have Discord uh, installed. You can chat away with everyone else and uh, speaking of chatting away with anyone else, Macca and Nicky, how are you going, guys? Oh, we're just jogging along, I think. <laughs> jogging along? Watching, watching other teams playing finals and wishing we were there. But, um, oh, yeah. No, but, uh, no, and that'd be good to watch, actually. It's probably one of the best uh, for a long time in the series so far. But, yeah, uh, yeah no, all's good. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. At least the football games have actually been good. <laughs> I've actually enjoyed watching them. That's very true. Uh, Matty, Razor, how are you going on the chat? Uh, I'm sure J-Mac and Vardy and a few others will be joining us in due course. Um, obviously no game for the Crows this week, but uh, still plenty to talk about uh, the two of you. Not only some great finals games, but also um, just a ton of stuff going on at the club. I can't remember us being so active Um uh, at this stage of the season, generally uh, we go a bit dark for a couple of weeks until trade week, but uh, that means smashing it out. Well, uh, yeah, there's plenty to talk about there, that and a lot of positive stuff and a bit of negative stuff, so there's, there's stuff everywhere. There is stuff everywhere, and uh, there's tons of stuff to talk about. So uh, let us, how about we just quickly talk about the uh, weekend's results, then we can talk all about... Uh, about what's been going on at the club uh some really good games uh in my opinion uh, thursday night's game was uh pretty good geelong a bit disappointing they probably kicked themselves out of the game uh in the end uh going down 9 4 58 uh to 5 12 42 so port winning by 16 points in the end there and um they look pretty good port well they did they did they, indeed well they they did uh, after Hawkins had sort of stuffed up very badly, um, I, Geelong had us had a, had an opportunity to put genuine pressure on Port Adelaide and uh, Hawkins, who uh, has got a horrible uh, finals uh, record in the last two years. Anyhow, yep. in the qualifying finals, he's had if I get I think I've got this right ten ten attempts to kick a goal, of which he's kicked nine points, yeah. zero nine. Now, if he kicked those early goals against Port Adelaide, uh, and I think it's I've listened to uh, 
uh, Matthews on the radio, and, and he was of the same opinion that um, Geelong could have created a lot of pressure on Port and maybe oh, had yeah. somewhere between a three and goal, five goal lead at half time. But uh, as that, look, and to Port's credit, they took it's advantage of uh, Hawkins' failure to do, you know, to convert. And I thought after half time they were a pretty slick unit. They had their game uh, operating very, very well, and Geelong were never ever going to get back into it. Nick, how'd you see it? I saw Port kind of doing similar to what we we did to Geelong in that that pressure at them, pushing them. They do like to do that out wide and then bring it in, and they really did stop that most of the time. So part of the problem for Geelong as well was they couldn't get their entries into the forward line how they like. Definitely with Hawkins, goal kicking is completely and utterly between the ears, and he does not cope in finals. Um, I think that was... As you've stated, Macca, that's kind of showing up that he's a liability because of that and because they do actually rely on him um, a lot. But I think I really enjoyed the way Port were moving the ball, the way they were pressuring at it, and Geelong tried to then get physical and there were a few little spot fires and they got sucked in and kept giving away free kicks and then getting shitty because they weren't getting – because they were getting called on them. Um so I it was kind of funny I was actually watching it with my parents and my mother didn't she didn't want Port to win and dad and I were barricading really hard for Port to actually win so that made it quite an interesting evening. But I can still come back to Port Adelaide you know as for winning a flag they still got one weakness which is uh they have a short shortage backline Hawkins yeah. and Hawkins had that opportunity to exploit it um and I, you know, and I think um, if Richmond, if, if their boy comes up and uh, he's, he's available, I don't, he's not going to miss, uh, miss those shots for goal like that. So um, I don't know. They're they're a good side port. Um, maybe they can do it, but uh, I, I'm thinking they they won't go all the way. I think it's been an issue with um, Geelong in that they haven't been able to put scoreboard pressure when they're playing these away finals. They've played a few away finals of late. And uh, uh, they they just don't seem to be able to put that early pressure on it. And uh, Hawkins, as you say, Mac, he, he was a man. They had plenty of opportunities to uh, to put some scoreboard pressure on in the first half, and they didn't. And you can't do that in an away final. No, it's not just the scoreboard pressure. It's also the psychological pressure of that man's really giving us trouble. So all of a yeah. sudden you're thinking about that rather than the game. So... Uh, um, it, it, it has a two-edged sword to it. So, uh, um, and then, you know, because he failed so badly, you know, and they port lift, and then, you know, once they got really going, then, then um, as Nicky said, they denied Geelong their game once they got on top. Yep. Um, look, in the uh, second game, I that, the Brisbane-Richmond game, 10-9-69 Brisbane to Richmond 8 6 that was an absolute belter of a game. Absolute belter. And unfortunately, it's the one I haven't watched yet. <laughs> but I well, am going to watch it, but I, I haven't got a chance to. It is well yeah, worth yeah. it, Nick. Yeah. yeah. Um, all I'll say is I did. Um, I talked to my dad today and said, you know, what was his impression of it? And his response was when he saw Richmond come out, he just thought they looked too cocky and he thought what? they were going to lose. Your dad's not blind. Um, he, uh, they are very, they are a very arrogant team, and they they're an entitled mob. They think they're entitled to everything as well. Um, 
hence those 50 metre penalties, um, which they screamed their guts out, but, you know, they gave them away. Um, from my point of view, uh, it was a good game, Fiend. Um, you know, I was wondering what was going on when Lockie Newell has not touched the ball at quarter time, and that's an absolute rarity. I can't believe he's ever played a game where he hasn't touched the ball in the first quarter. But he went on to have three good quarters after that, to his credit, which is shows that he how the quality of the guy. Once you, you know, when you start with a shitter, it's it's as a player, I know it's very hard to get back into the game. But you know, he he's a very good player. And look, they were a very even team. Charlie Cameron did some magic stuff up, up forward. Um, that they, I, I thought it was a very even team effort from Brisbane. Uh, young blokes like Berry, um, McCluskey, and uh, and and there's a couple of other young blokes really stepped up. Uh, Rainer, Rainer had a good, quite a good one. Um, and from the uh, Richmond point of view, they really could have done with a Brad Crouch in the middle, and uh, and perhaps that might uh, make them a little bit keener to, to go after somebody like Brad. Well, I thought that um, Richmond actually played like a team that felt that they were going to win. They they felt like I feel like they they felt that they were on top of their game. Uh, they certainly brought finals intensity and I just had the impression with Richmond that they felt like if they did the things that they needed to do that they would win and I think it was unexpected for them that uh, Brisbane were able to not only withstand the pressure that Richmond brought but also to match it and ultimately overcome it and it to me it showed Richmond as a bit of a one-trick pony to be honest because I think for so long, they've relied on uh, their ability to, to crack teams by just applying relentless frontal pressure and just being able to, you know, jam the ball forward and get it forward at all costs and run ahead of the ball and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I don't think I've seen too many teams actually match Richmond for intensity over four quarters the way Brisbane did. I think that's a very excellent summary of what happens, eh? Well done. That, that really describes it very accurately. And they, they were very arrogant. I think they believed that, as you said, if they, they did that, it was just following their lap and it just didn't work out that way because Brisbane matched them. And, and as you say, eventually wore them down and got on top. Yeah, and I'm not even sure whether it was arrogance, Macker. I think they've just become so accustomed to to winning games using that approach that it's quite unexpected for them. Like, generally speaking, you would think that Richmond, <clears throat> in their post-matches, in games that they've lost, their first thing would be, well, we, we didn't bring intensity or, you know, uh, we didn't play our way. But they they played perfectly. They, they played their style 100%. Um, and yet they came up against a team that... And to me, you could see it was a very interesting match because you could see Brisbane's belief... Uh, increase the longer they were able to stay with Richmond. There were a couple of times where you felt like Richmond were going to crack the game open and Brisbane just hung in there and hung in there and they kept their intensity up and you could just see the belief rising in Brisbane. And I think I think uh, we spoke last week about the fact that uh, Richmond were looking very strong and that Brisbane may have uh, just be running out of steam. But... Uh, after a game like that and with a week's break just to regroup and to get over some tiredness and injuries, I, I think Brisbane are now a real threat, particularly with home ground advantage. 
I think the, the the last bit that you said is the big one, the home ground advantage. So they travel, they, they live a normal life, um, and uh, they, they've got their game going as well as they can get it going. And um, if they reproduce that every week, they got, I'm not saying they will win it, but I'm saying they'll be, they're giving themselves every chance to do so. I agree. I think they're right back in the hunt. Um on Saturday, we had the early game, St Kilda, uh, 10-7-67, getting over the Bulldogs in a nail-biter, uh, 9-10-64. The Bulldogs uh, would consider that one that got away. Um, and uh, whilst you wouldn't have thought either team would have been pushing deep into the final series, uh, fantastic not only for St Kilda but also for Brett Ratton uh, to get that win under their belts. The interesting thing is the two knockout finals were... Uh, they were really desperately fought. And yep. you can tell they knocked out finals because both of them decided by less than a goal. And uh, not really much between them and a little bit of oscillation in, in the scoring, etc. So, um, it, it, you know, I think in the end, the St Kilda Bulldogs game could have gone either way in the long run. Um, and it just went St Kilda's way. I think St's always just looked a little bit better, a little bit smoother. Yeah. Uh, but Bulldogs... The Bulldogs have that tenacity, and uh, they always will keep trying, and they will keep coming at you. And if you know, if there's any weakness in you, they'll get you. Um, but I, I think you know the Saints have recruited very well. They're, they're, the players they did recruit for the club were outstanding, and they went, went very, very well. Uh, Ryder, in particular, was that I thought you know best player on the ground, and very I saw unlucky. him cry. I saw him cry, crying after the game, and I thought he's until I. Saw the replay of when yeah. he did his hamstring. I was thinking he was overcome by emotion. Yeah, well, he's overcome by emotion, all right, poor bastard. He's not going to yeah. play anymore this year. I got, got a feel for him. Got a feel for him. Um, yeah, they'd have to make a granny to uh, for him to have any chance. And um, <clears throat> the Saints no, were saying I think after they've already the game said he's out for the year. He's out. Yeah, no, he's done, they said it was done, high. Done so, yeah, yeah and the other thing too, so it, quick. The other negative for the Saints is the fact that uh, I can't remember his name. The lad that uh, has been reported before for high hits has, has uh, been suspended for one match as well for uh, a high hit. Yeah, yeah. The the thing that really impressed me the most about St Kilda though was when the Bulldogs were bringing that pressure. If you watching the game, you could see that the Saints kept their structure and they kept that outlook players and everything else. So no matter how much pressure the Bulldogs were absolutely throwing at them, mm. they always had an out in a way. And it was really impressive to see that from a team playing their first final in a very long time. And it, oh, my God, and King is going to, <laughs> like, seriously, once they fix up the, those entries in, nobody's going to stop that kid. Um, and he's got a really good football brain. Um, as well, some of, he was doing some really nice stuff. Your, your point about structure is a good one, Nick, and I think it's indicative of good coaching, um, but yep. also uh, a playing group that believes in what they're being taught um, and the structure that's been put in place. So, kudos to Brett Ratt, and we all know what he's gone through, and uh, you know, not only in footy terms, but also in his personal life, and um, you know, he, I would have loved to have had him at the Adelaide Crows and. <clears throat> he's he's one person that uh, I would never begrudge any success whatsoever. Um, you know, if the Saints were able to pull a Western Bulldogs of uh, 2016, then uh, I wouldn't mind that one little bit. 
No, uh, I, I'm not in the same camp as you, uh, Fiend. I, I would have loved to have had him as our coach. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, the, the replacement of him with Moldhouse was the destruction of Carlton. I mean, they, they just... I know it was Bolton first, wasn't it? Yeah. Or was it... Yeah. No, it was Moldhouse. Moldhouse first and then Bolton, Bolton. yeah. I, I mean, they just, they just self-destructed with their appointments. And oh, they yeah. had a coach... They had a coach who would have got them places if they if they just kept on believing in him. Yeah, and as somebody put, I think they pointed out in the call that he's now actually won um, <laughs> as many finals as Carlton has since they sacked him. <laughs> since they sacked him, exactly <laughs> right. And uh, you know, typical bloody Carlton, and that's another reason why I don't begrudge um, Rut, um, Brett Ratton at all. Um, anyway, we'll move on. Uh, the last game, uh, West Coast. Uh, bowing out from fifth spot, bowing out against a team that I and many others had written off. Uh, Collingwood were oh, a yeah. rabble the week before. Um, and uh, yet again, Mason Cox steps up in a final. You can't, you can't, uh, you can say a lot of things about Mason Cox, but uh, he's a performer. And uh, Collingwood what? getting up 12 76 to the Eagles 11 75 in Perth, if you don't mind. He's I the thought, opposite of Tom, um, Tom Hawkins. Yes, I thought you saw my line, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I thought this was the highest quality game of the of the four. I thought that you know the, the actual football played between these two these two teams was the highest level. Um, some of the passages of playing it were quite outstanding, and you know, Liam Ryan he he created quite a few of them. He's just an outstanding player, that boy. Uh, whether it's be on the ground, the air, or wherever, whatever yeah. he's doing, he's he's, yeah. he's fantastic. Um, and I and I really do. I enjoyed this game, and um, I had this horrible thing. I ended up uh, feeling myself barracking for Collingwood, who I've never ever done, <laughs> never ever done in my life. And because I thought, you know, against all the odds, I mean, they had to what were they? They were in caravans or something like that. Uh, for two I don't weeks, know what they were doing? It was a week that they were. They had to be kind of kept in isolation. I actually wonder though whether that actually helped them because they were spending. I mean, even though they've been staying in the hubs and everything else, this was still even more um, keeping them in quite close. And because they had played so poorly, I think there probably were a lot of strong conversations possibly had. Um, and I just really liked the way that they were playing and and they kept at it. And West Coast's problem, particularly in that last quarter, was that they very much didn't play to the whistle and they were complaining about the umpiring and Yeah, they, they lost else. concentration, and, Nick. Yeah, completely. They expected it to happen for them. I mean, the crowd noise was fabulous. Um, and it was mostly their way, but those frees were there and they were rightly paid. Now, yeah, Macca, no, 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 you're about that. Macca, can you turn your yep. speakers down a little bit? Because they're just feeding back yep. into the mic. Um, I'll do that. Now, this throws up a, a, a pretty uh, interesting second week of the finals, two knockout finals. Um, probably not the games that we're expecting. And. On the surface, you would think that the winners are pretty self-evident. Richmond playing St Kilda on the Friday night um, at Metricon, which is an interesting one. Um, uh, you would expect Richmond to bounce back uh, against the Saints. Um, 
But, you know, the interesting thing about this game, to my mind, and you mentioned it earlier, Nikki, is that Western Bulldogs play a very similar style of game uh, without, with, a, with a lack of talent that Richmond have. But they play a very similar style of game to Richmond, uh, a hustle and bustle. And St Kilda, as you rightly pointed out, they're able to maintain structure um, uh, in amongst all of that. It'll be very interesting to see how Richmond go against a well-organised team like St Kilda. St Kilda may not have the star power, um, but Richmond have a couple of players down. Jack Revolt is a worry for mine, um, and a couple of other players down. I just wonder if uh, if the Saints can get enough forward 50 entries. I think they might trouble Richmond. Well, the, firstly, the reason they're playing at Metricon is that Richmond had the choice of ovals. Uh, yeah, well, that's why it's unusual, and, Mac. Well, they're undefeated at Metricon, and uh, that's uh, why they went, why they went there. Just a psychological thing. Um, but there can't be any other logical reason. But uh, but uh, I agree with you. Um, I th- the other thing I thought Richmond's midfield didn't fire that well. I mean, Martin started off very very well, mm. and almost disappeared after after about one and a half quarters. Um, and I thought their their midfield let them down sadly, actually. Um, well, Martin and, disappeared, and the, coinciding with Lockie Neal starting to gain an influence. Um, yes, and but uh, but say, but St Kilda's midfield is actually uh, doing very very well indeed. Yeah. Uh, Hannabury had a very very good game. Uh, Steele has been a he has been a steal. I wish I'd have him in our side. He's yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, oh, I wanted him in the draft. Yep, yeah, uh, he he's a, he's a beauty. Um, and uh, the, you know their their support boys uh, they're doing well as well and uh, and I you know uh, I I can see a situation and the, as far as Ruckman go too uh, that that oh right is out but uh, Marshall's yeah. a very he's a very very good uh, Ruckman yeah Marshall's so, decent and they've got King up forward take a mark yeah I, I give them a chance um, yeah log, logic says um, Richmond should win but this is one of those situations where um, it might not be logical. Nick, what my, do you reckon? My, only, my only concern is that loss of Ryder. I think that is a big, big, big hole for the Saints it to is. fill because of the it way is. the way he plays and he is he's not just that Ruckman. He is quite strongly their link between their defence and, and their forward line. Mm. Um, I think if he was fit, I would actually give the Saints a hell of a chance to push Richmond. But I think the loss of him is just unfortunately probably going to tip the balance more in Richmond's favour, annoyingly. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's an interesting one for St Kilda because it's essentially the same game with a step up in class. So it'll be a test for them to see whether they can maintain uh, their game plan and their game style uh, in a similar match. Um, but against better opposition. So anyway, uh, Geelong versus Collingwood. Well, all the pressure's on Geelong, isn't it? I mean, Collingwood weren't Thanks. expected to be here. Geelong, a disappointing first round. Um, no, I, it's interesting. On the, on, on the shorter gabber ground, um, with Mason Cox stepping up, um, if Collingwood get a bit more out of some of their other forwards... Um, is still side bottom back? I think still side bottom's back too for them. Um, I'm not aware of that. They're, they're going to push the cats, I think. 
Oh, I, I think there's no, no doubt about that at all. Um, the, yeah, when it comes to midfields, uh, they've got a uh, they've got a very very good midfield, uh, Collingwood, and it's functioning as well. Uh, the interesting thing is, you know that Brody Grundy only had sixty odd percent game time, and I wonder whether he's playing injured because his form hasn't been that great. No, but he's dropped Cam- off. Young, but young Cameron went in there, and, and for, you know, for the rest of the time, and he did quite well. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, Collingwood don't do it um, through stars so much in the sense that they have a good midfield and, and their work rate was very high. And I really think that's that, that's what, what beat uh, West Coast. It was just sheerly, sheerly their, their, firstly, their midfield and plus the fact that they, they ran the ground, they just worked their ass off. Maynard and Crisp in the back lines are very, very good. Um, and as you say, Big Cox, well, he, the Cox stood erect and marked a few, didn't he? Come on, Mackie, you're better than that. Better than that. <laughs> I, I thought... Even though... I, I, uh, Macker, I thought Cox had the wood on his opponent all night, really. Well... <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Come on. Come on. Uh, well, no, that, you well, just shafted me on that. Uh, I'm sorry about that, mate. Um, you didn't but, get that uh, one either. I did. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to go for puns, we might as well go all out. Nikki, you got any? No. no. Well, uh, Maddie in the chat said to tell me to try harder. <laughs> <laughs> I will just stay silent. Well, no, Maddie. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, no, he uh, really did stand tall all night, uh, Cox. It was, uh, <laughs> you know. Quite a few of them did, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, enough of no, that. But, Oh, children. Children, yeah. children, children. <laughs> yeah, we got cocktails today. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> I, I, I think uh, I think I'm happy to go for Richmond on on a Friday night, but uh, this Saturday night one's a real toss up for mine. Yeah, I'm not aware of what you the didn't get that is, one uh, either. No, I missed that one. Sorry, I thought you may have gone back to being serious, um, but. Uh, now, uh, what is their situation when they met the during the home and away season? Do you know? I, I can't remember, to be honest with you. Uh, My guess is that Geelong probably, Geelong probably would have won it, I would have thought. Yeah, don't know. But, uh, um, look, but it throws up an uh, interesting scenario because you basically, if the two... Sorry, Nick, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say that I, I really actually think that Collingwood will win this one. I think there's a bit more belief and particularly the the way that they won against West Coast and watching Geelong and, and if you put that pressure at them, which is what Collingwood did to West Coast, and mm-hmm. I, I think there's definitely there's some scars in Geelong and I think they're going to get a bit deeper. Um, travel. I know both of them got the uh, – both teams have got the extra day. Geelong had to travel from Adelaide. Uh, Collingwood had to travel from Perth. Any impact with regards to recovery? I wouldn't have thought so. Uh, you know, that, these boys have been playing games uh, during the, the, the year three and four, so not three, four and five go, uh, days apart, and yeah. they, they had the, the week off. So from my, from my point of view, no, I, I think they should be right as rain. Yep. Don't disagree with that at all, Mac. Um, all right, well... That's I do find it hard to make a selection, though, because um, 
can Collingwood repeat that effort? Because they, they haven't done it all year. Um, and they've pulled out an odd one here and there during the year. And uh, they, and they did pull out their, their best for the year against West Coast, in my opinion. And maybe they're peaking and maybe they will do it again. Um, but they would have to play to that level again, to, in my opinion, to beat Geelong. Well, I think this game's all about Geelong. I really do. I think it's all about how Geelong... Like, for example, I thought Chris Scott coached really badly. I understand that Paddy Dangerfield is a weapon up forward, but when the chips were down and they were getting uh, they were getting touched up in the midfield at times, Geelong in that in that second half, Dangerfield, ne- Dangerfield needed to be in the guts. And that, the the simple fact is that they did not trust the rest of their forwards. Um, to be able to get on the end of some centre clearances. And, you know, I'm sure Chris Scott would love to have two danger fields, but so would everyone else. And the fact is he doesn't. And Patrick Dangerfield is a midfielder. You know, uh, you, see him, you see him break away in that in that goal that they got in the last quarter where he was 2-1-1 on one and he, he just absolutely broke away from those two port players. And this is at the end of the game, mind you, when everyone's buggered. And he broke away and and kicked that ball in um, there. That's what they needed in the midfield. They needed some of his tenacity, some of his burst speed, some of his pace, some of his will in that middle to break the game open and to and to get the ball or get the game being played in Geelong's half of the ground. And the simple fact is that for the amount of time that Paddy was down in the forward line, he hardly saw the ball. He was, he was a wasted resource. Oh, I thought that was yeah, terribly bad coaching. Not the first time he's done it as well in finals that he's left Dangerfield up forward when they've gotten in trouble. He's no, done that's it right. before. No, that's... Yep. yep. And and, the... he, and that just proves to me he's going to keep doing it. He doesn't understand. I actually don't rate him that much as a coach. Yeah, I think the... half of Geelong is them coaching themselves still on how Bomber Thompson used to coach them. Oh, I actually agree with you, Nicky. I've always thought that this guy is this guy really is lucky to be still coaching because he inherited a premiership team and he got a premiership in his first year and he's gradually gradually going backwards since then and he'll take this team uh, into retirement uh, sort of situation without winning another flag in mind. That's my opinion anyhow. And I, I totally agree with Fien. Yep. And I totally agree with Fien about the use of Dangerfield because I it stuck out to me like dog's balls. It really did because um and I think that was also the Hawkins factor flowed on into that third quarter that Hawkins had let them down so badly in the first half that uh, uh, Scott, in his uh, limited way of coaching, thought, oops, I better put Dangerfield down there to try and get some goals because Hawkins yep. isn't getting them. But what that did was absolutely remove him from the midfield and it removed his... Uh, and he is a, he is a, a very dynamic player and, uh, and he is an inspirational player with his efforts. And... Uh, as you said, he was he was down the forward line there allegedly to help Hawkins get some goals or get him himself, but the ball didn't come down there then. So no. it was just bad coaching, really bad coaching. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I 100% agree with you about Chris Scott. I don't think he'll coach Geelong to a flag. And if they go out in straight sets or even if they fall down uh, at another prelim, um, given that they're looking at a bit of a soft rebuild themselves, that club, after this year... Um, I think Chris Scott will be under pressure. I really do. Uh, it's been a while. He got his first flag with them, basically inherited from Bomber Thompson, in my view. Correct. Yep. 
Um, and I, look, I agree. I don't think he's a great coach. I think that team has coached itself for a long time. They've relied on star power, um, and star power is not going to get it done in a final. You'll win some games during the season based on star power, but when it comes to finals, if you're coming up against a committed opponent, and Port Adelaide are exactly that, a workmanlike team that are clearly playing for each other, uh, and clearly 100% bought in, and have a bit of youth and a bit of pace, and uh, belief to run at Geelong, um, you know, your star power's not going to do it. It's your, it's your bottom eight players that are going to win you a game like that in, in finals. And, and that's where Geelong is very thin. The other thing too, Pete, is yep. uh, it also showed to me that uh, the little master, as they like to call him, is no longer the little master. He's just a little bald-headed guy running around and they're not quite good enough these days, in my opinion. He'd have to be... Is, uh, is this it's Groundhog Day here. Because I was about to raise the fact that you got nothing out of Ablett. Yep. He, was a, he was a liability. He, he was. <laughs> why are we agreeing with each other? It, it's something gone. Well, it's, we've both got something wrong in our brains, Nicky. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. But, uh, it, but, but in all seriousness, uh, you know, he, 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 if you were honest, you wouldn't pick him for the preliminary final. Oh, sorry, not for the next final, because if you pick players on on what whether they deserve to be picked, you would not have picked. We would not pick him. I thought he was very. Very ordinary. He's been very, very ordinary leading up to the finals. And uh, if he's not, look, if his name was anything but Ablett, he wouldn't be playing. Yep, agreed. And, it, and, it, and I agree with you, Fiend, it has to be his last year. Yeah, agree. All right, let's move on to the reason we do this podcast, and this is the Adelaide Crows, because we've given them the finals far too much time. 27 minutes, guys. 27 minutes. 33 minutes, actually. Sorry about that, listeners. Sorry. Um, but we'll get on to it now. And it's been a fortnight. And during that fortnight, a fair bit's happened. And let's start at the beginning, shall we? Uh, delistings so far. Delistings. Um, mm-hmm. So, so far, we've had confirmed that Riley Knight, Patrick Wilson, and Ace Taylor uh, have been delisted. That's along with Rory Atkins uh, informing the club that he's going to explore opportunities. Um, and, no real and, surpri- and of course Bryce Gibbs uh, who I was going to talk about in a little minute but he's also uh, buggered off so the delisting so far the, it's there's a couple I, I think what the delistings show uh, I'm, I'm not so surprised about the names I'm, I think what they show at the moment is that we don't have any certainty around list size for next season um, because there's a few Interesting scenarios still to play out with some other players. But um, dealing with these three boys, I mean, I, I don't think many people have seen much of Ace, uh, so it's very unfortunate for him. Um, the timing couldn't have been worse. He was a speculative pickup anyway. Yeah, he, but... was, he, he was the late kind of one. He was um, a yep. cover for just in case, and then he got a hamstring injury, which was quite bad. Well, so... on the back of COVID and not really and being able to play yeah, the so sample. So we couldn't play at all. But well, his hamstring was so bad that they actually did say he was out for the year, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Um, Paddy Wilson, uh, not quite sure why he was retained on the list in the first place. Uh, last, <laughs> I agree for this season, and that's not a, that's not a knock on Paddy. Uh, they just never wanted to play him uh, 
for the reason that they picked him up in the first place. So I hope Patrick goes back to Sturt and uh, joins back up with Marty Matner and wins another flag, to be honest. Because I think oh, he's well, bloody... Oh, he's a fantastic midfielder in the SANFL. Um, I think he had some value as an inside midfielder at AFL level, but of course, you know, we never played him there. We played him in the graveyard spot and, uh, you know, it's... I'm sure Patrick benefited from being on the AF- on the Adelaide Crows list and he probably made a bit of coin and that's all well and good, but, geez, what a waste, really, for Patrick Wilson. Well, it is a waste of some years for him, yeah. Yeah, and Riley Knight. Uh, I don't think anyone else would pick him up as a DFA. I'd be surprised if they do, or particularly if lists get cut a little bit. A bit of a wasted career, I reckon, Riley Knight. Absolutely. Um Unfortunately for him, though, he's one of these people. He was a brave player, always went in hard, and he also did get him more than his share of injuries. And um, if you don't get continuity in this game, it's very easy to drop off the favoured list, and uh, uh, and that's exactly what's happened with Riley. And uh, uh, then you don't, then you get a game, an odd game here and there, and, and of course that doesn't give you the opportunity to show your best. So it's, I, I think Riley Knight was quite a good footballer, but unfortunately, again, the stars didn't align, align for him properly. And uh, I think quite rightfully, he's been delisted as well. He had a lot of opportunities to go that step further and he just couldn't take it. Mm, he was always that, that what is it? For, yeah, he was that 14 to 20 possession player. When he got those little cameos on song, that Bulldogs final, um, he did some great things in there. He was probably one of the best players to ever get under the skin of Selwood. Um, and he would, you know, hold him back but we're not going to play every game against Geelong so he had to get more tricks and more just that little step up and it just seemed it was beyond Riley um I did like him as a player you know he had some really nice skills and everything else but he just couldn't take that extra step I agree with you Fiend I think if the list sizes stay larger or as they are now then there might be an opportunity for him with another club, but if it gets cut down, I'd say it'd be a no. I'd say they are going to get cut down, Nicky. The general opinion seems to be, uh, and it has been really right for the word go, that um, the worst it's going to be is going to be 38 plus two rookies or... Oh, where did Macca go? He went bye-byes. Um, yeah, but I think what he was saying is 38-2. Um, if there's no rookies. Yeah. Oh, there you go. You're back. Mackie, you're just dropping in and out at the moment for some reason. Maybe you've got a loose oh, cord. Well, I've got it in as tight as I can, mate. Well, that's what Mason all. Cox said. Um, <laughs> yeah. but no, what I was saying was that 38-2 and two, uh, or 40 is probably what's going to be the case. We've removed five, so that puts us in the position where uh, we now have to delist, uh, further delist the number of uh, draft picks we are going to take. Yep. And I think that'll be another, I reckon there'll be another six, Fiend. Yeah, I, yeah, but I, I think, think so. There, yeah, there'll be trades involved. And so I think there might be some further delistings depending on if we get a bite regarding certain players to trade them instead. So three, three down plus Bryce makes four. Uh, Rory comes out, makes five. Um, so that yep. takes us. That takes us. What were we uh, forty four, weren't we? I think from uh, no, yeah, uh, forty five. Yeah. So, um, 
So down to down to, um, I think there'll be another three, Mac. I think we'll no, end up with it. I think we'll end up with a list size of forty and two. That's what I think. Well, well, that, that would be much better in my opinion because I think I think five is very drastic and and it may affect the draft very badly. So. If, I know that all the uh, clubs are preparing on the basis of it being 38 and 2 or 40 in total, yep. um, but are hoping for it to be better than that. So well, they, they, they say, they say 40 is the worst case, but yeah. uh, it could well be 42 or 43. I, I reckon 40 and 2, and I reckon the reason will be the AFLPA. But anyway, well, that's yes, specula- I, it's speculation. Well, um, well, but, it, you know, I still... We, Oh, in my opinion, I think we'll probably be taking at least five draft picks and holding one back for the uh, pre-season draft. So, and to me, that six players would have to go still. Yeah. If yeah. if it was going to be forty. Yeah. Um, other news. Uh, just going back one step. Uh, congratulations to Lockie Scholl, who got a belated rising star. Uh, thank God he backed up against Richmond because he's bloody deserved it the week before. Uh, but he got the rising star nom for his match against uh, Richmond. So that was well-deserved. And uh, really, out of all our youngsters, um, you know, Will Hamill's injury notwithstanding, uh, he probably was the one that was probably the most effective in the end, Lockie Scholl. Uh, Lockie Scholl, right, right from the word go, he looked like he was a, a comfortable at that level and uh, at home at that level. And his disposal is absolutely beautiful. You know, it's a joy to watch a player actually hit a, hit a, a teammate yep. for a change. Yep. And uh, I thought McPherson, you, you've got to give him the uh, absolutely as well. I he looked at absolutely at home as well, if he'd been playing there for all of, all of his life. And uh, and I think young Hamill, he, he he showed us what happens if you actually mark the ball and then play on quickly and have the ability to kick it to a, a teammate. So. Um, it was a really a pity about that second concussion, which kept him out of out of action because he was just starting to he he was actually building at that time, and I think that you know if he hadn't have had that concussion, he would have ended up having a very good good end of year. He'll be right. Yeah, quite quite simply, the AFL needs to actually admit that the rising. Uh, nominations are not for that round. It's actually for a body of work because that's yeah, what it, it, that's what proved it. Um, but also, I think this is a nice segue into the club champion award. No, it's not, Nikki. No, it's not Nikki because I'm oh, not there why yet. Not? You're not oh, running the show. I am. So stick with the bloody <laughs> conversation. Well, I knew no, you were going to go I, there. I was. <laughs> well, because Macca raised McPherson and. And I think that as much as I love Shoal, and you know how much I love Shoal and I rate him and I think he's going an absolute superstar, um, what McPherson has done this year, that, yeah, he was – he very, he even more than Shoal came in and just from the very, very start looked like a 50-game player. Yeah, mm. very cool. Um, Macca, you'll just need to move your mic a little bit away. Um, still feeding back in there a little bit. Um yeah, the other. I just want to go in date order if I can, Nikki, which is why I stopped you because the other thing that occurred <laughs> because we've got so much to t- go through. The other thing that occurred uh, not long after the Richmond the right game day. was um, the coaching shuffle. So we had Mick Godden drop off. Um, he was informed that he wasn't going to be offered another contract, so he's off. 
Um, Benny Hart, obviously, um, was also let go. Um, so that was two that came off. And since then, not in chronological order, we've obviously had the announcement that Scotty Burns is joining the ranks after two cracks at our head coaching job. Interesting appointment. Discuss. Well, um, it's about Scotty Burns. Um, oh, the, I, the I coaching know. situation. Oh, the coaching situation. Well, well, we had the worst lot of coaches than anybody had. We, I mean, we the, the two that we had that, that have gone. Well, like, I, mean, I don't think anybody's going to lose tears about that. And uh, it was Brent Riley, wasn't it? That uh, he filled in once uh, Marty Matner went. Yep. Um, and and he will go back to his development role. So yep. he'll still be with the club, but. Um, he's a good guy, and I, you know, I think he, I think he didn't do a bad job when he was filling in. But um, what we seem to be doing now is uh, the the three coaches that we've, we two have been named, and the third one is pretty well named. Um, we are who's the third one? Rahili from Ge- uh, Geelong. No, I don't think he's going to be. Is he, is he going to be in the coaching squad, or is he going to be head of development? No, well, I understood he was going to be forward coach, but okay. Um, and uh, so you've got somebody from Geelong, somebody from West Coast, and somebody from Hawthorne. So we, we we're taking uh, coaches that are actually active at the moment and uh, are with clubs that have had success and know what success is all about. So you um, could argue that I mean, none of those blokes had been there during that successful period, but anyway, go on. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, if well, you want to be really been, cynical about it, well, Scotty Bird has been around a bit, and um, yeah, but never I in a successful it, team. Um, well, he's coming after they were successful. Yep. Well, yes, uh, but I, I still think Scotty Burns. Uh, he's, I mean, he's twice he's try, uh, applied for the senior position, and twice he, yep. in fact, the very, the very first time he was actually going to get it, I think, and I think he got cold feet at the last minute for the first yep. time. Uh, um, so I think Scotty Burns is a very good get to get as a senior coach and uh, alongside Nixie. Um, yep. uh, the, the second one, which is uh, VB, uh, and we know VB is a highly intelligent man. Yep. And uh, if he's if he's good enough for West Coast midfield, he's good enough for our midfield. Uh, that's for certain. And uh, and I think he'll bring a lot to the, to the midfield. Uh, and uh, and also as I say. Guy of great integrity and intelligence, and uh, uh, Rahili. Well, he will just tell people to kick straight <laughs> instead of <laughs> missing like Hawkins does. No, he he actually comes with some big raps, uh, Rahili. Um, yeah, he does. I was being facetious. Yeah, no, it, uh, the least known of the three, certainly from the Adelaide Crows' pers- supporters' perspective, but uh, the raps on him are quite good. I, I look, I was being facetious about Burns. I think he'll be an excellent foil for Matty Nix. Um, you know, similar generation, uh, both been around the traps. Well, Scotty Burns has been around the traps for ages. Um, you know, captain a, a premiership side in Collingwood back in uh, whenever it was. Um, yep. So uh, a lot of grit with Scott Burns and a lot of football IQ. Um, I think VB will just uh, be certainly one to drive high standards uh, on the track as well as, you know, preparation, etc. Um, Raleigh is a is a very player oriented uh, sort of a bloke. Builds good relationships. Has a very good understanding of 
connecting midfield and forward setup. So, um, look, I, I think it's excellent. I want to I want to raise this point uh, because we've had a couple of other appointments. We've also had uh, m- more recently um, we've had an interesting appointment that's really gone under the radar a bit. Uh, but we've had uh, Tom Hurley named as Football Operations Manager. Now, Tom Hurley was ex-SANFL. Uh, used to play for Sturt uh, a while back. Um, we'll report to Adam Kelly. Um, so we've just snuck another position in that whole uh, chain of command, if you ask me. I don't think we've ever had a football operations manager and a head of football reporting to a director of football. Well, can you I didn't even know that it happened, Fane. When, when did that happen? Uh, it happened during the week. And like I said, it flew under the radar. There's not a post on Big Footy about it. There's been no media about it whatsoever. Um, where did you Where did you read it? Adelaide Crow's website. Former SNFL head of community Tom Hurley. It's up for people. Uh, has been named uh, football operations manager of the Adelaide Football Club. Hurley, who played for Sturt and once captain the SA under 18s, joins the club with more than five years of experience at SNFL level, or at the SNFL, I should say. He reports to the head of football, Adam Kelly, and manage a variety of responsibilities, including administration and matchday operations. A bit of a Phil Harper role, by the sounds of it. Uh, it's all, uh, yeah, it's always been an aspiration to get into the AFL system, particularly with the LA Crows, which is a really strong club, and one that is heading in a positive direction. So we've made, so far we've made uh, two uh, confirmed football uh, coaching appointments plus the appointment of uh, another administration person in Tom, uh, mooted to be appointing uh, a third coach when Geelong bow out. Mm-hmm. Now, we're also uh, hearing whispers about certain people being put forward for Chapman's role. Now, remember this time last year, or it might have been a little bit earlier, there was, there was a, 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 a little bit of a rumbling amongst social media and um, there was a little petition that gained over a thousand signatures and uh, there were a lot of emails <laughs> to the club and a little one re- yeah. remember how remember how uh, uh, our director of football said that uh, we should have faith in the club and if we didn't like it we should go support somewhere else and do you remember that you know we had the best football uh, department in in the universe and remember how you know there were ongoing reviews and that uh, Robbie Chapman came out and said, you know, everyone was outstanding, etc. And Andrew Fagan told us that everyone works particularly hard and all the rest of it. Twelve months later, we have had almost a complete dismantling of the administration and the coaching staff. Twelve months later. I'm calling this, I'm calling this the fan revolution because without our podcast... Other podcasts like um, The Crow Jack, Two Crows, uh, um, The Crow's Nest uh, and, and those blokes, uh, rumblings on Facebook, rumblings on Big Footy, people getting pissed off. Without the fans driving this, none of these changes would have occurred. Discuss. Well, he bugger you, Sam, because I was going to say, Great Rage, exactly the same thing. Oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> 
a hundred percent that this revolution, <laughs> this revolution, and it is a revolution because um, for the, all the reasons you outlined with what Rue was saying, what Chapman was saying, what Fagan was saying, et cetera, et cetera, we had it all. They, these were the greatest people alive. Lead yeah, by we line, just had to back them in, back them in, have faith yeah. in the club. Yeah. In fact, Burton was going to become elite, for fuck's sake. Um, Burton and, was actually going to be run for prime minister, I think. Well, I mean, jeez, that was so, so <laughs> sad. And, 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 and if it had not been for the fact that, in fact, Rue triggered it by, thank God, by uh, getting the fans upset. Yeah, and that was the say, last straw, wasn't it? That was the last straw. Yes. yes and then was, Very much so. And then it was shows like this and... I think not just us, but all over the country. Yeah. That that uh, anybody that associated with the Adelaide Football Club said, "Get rid of these bastards! Get rid of them!" Yeah. And of course, then they had they had the review, and it, and it turned out they were a mob of turds. They really were a mob of turds, and yep. uh, they had to go. Yep. And uh, the room was. One you, sorry, go on. Sorry, no, I'm going to say on. there was another. Another potential appointment that you have mentioned is the fact that we Saunders has gone and we're trying to get hold of Burgess for our fitness coach. Very interesting one, that one, because we brought Saunders in uh, because we completely mismanaged Kangatech and Saunders is the co-founder of Kangatech and developed the technology initially at North, pardon me, at North Melbourne, but is uh, an Adelaide um, physiotherapist of some note prior to that. Um, and... Uh, the, the knowledge that I have about Kanga Tech was that it, there's nothing wrong with the technology itself, uh, but there's some misunderstanding about Kanga Tech. It's merely a data gathering um, technology and what we mismanaged. And the reason for our, our burgeoning soft tissues through 2018 was purely because of the way in which the data was being managed and handled and collated and read and interpreted, basically. And that's on Burton and Haas. Uh, and they were actually using spreadsheets that were developed by Nick Poulos for a completely different purpose. Um, and as a consequence, um, I know for a fact that the, the club employed uh, or engaged a company to develop an interface uh, for Kanga Tech that was more accurate and uh, gave more pertinent information um, to staff. Uh, and... In the end, uh, it was decided that they needed to actually get the inventor of the bloody thing to come in and fix it up. Um, now, our soft tissues, in, in a very challenging year, were significantly less um, this year than they have been previously, uh, despite you know short breaks and all the rest of travel, etc. But my feeling is, with Saunders uh, being quietly shuffled out the door, there's not a lot of fanfare of it, about that one either, I think... Uh, he's either normalised Kangatech so that uh, the interface is now solid and anyone can use it, or we've decided that Kangatech is no longer something that we want to be using. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if anyone uh, from the club says anything about that, um, and I might actually shoot off a email to the club just asking for some clarification because Saunders was definitely brought in to, to steady that part of the thing uh, and manage a few yep. key individuals like Brad Crouch uh, with his groins, etc. Um, so yeah, he, he was only part-time. He was only part-time, but he was but he was given a title. He, he was given a title. Yep. He was part of that chain. And um, 
certainly there to manage a few key individuals. And, you know, I, I and think... And he still wasn't cheap, even though he was part-time. Oh, God, no, because he's a, he's like, he, he's a highly respected individual in, in those circles. So uh, you're right, Burgess from Melbourne has been uh, uh, ushered out, uh, probably because of COVID, I would imagine, um, and uh, the Crows are all over him at the moment. So uh, he would be a good get. He did some good stuff at Port. Um, and uh, uh, it would be a good get. And you would think, Mackie, you would think that if he comes across, then uh, um, Haas might be shown the door quietly as well. Bloody well, I hope so, yeah. And, uh, but coming back to the point you originally raised, it does. it is people power. This is a... Uh, this whole situation, and it, it gives me a lot of satisfaction to be a minute part of it, um, yourself greater part of it by having the show, Um and the other shows that, uh, as you mentioned, quite rightly so, the, the, the podcast, um, and the and and in general, the people that rang up five double A and were really pissed off, and they yep. and uh, time to get rid of uh, Buddy Rue, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, yeah, and it just goes to show that there is, you know, if people uh, are united, they they can actually upset uh, even something is cemented on and glued on as the football Adelaide Football Club was. Yeah, look, mate, and that's that's my point. Go on, Nick. I'd say primarily, though, the greatest force was people bringing up and cancelling their memberships. Money yeah, talks. That will do it. simply money talks, particularly with our club. You know, I don't, I don't want to um, overstate our um, involvement in that whole disaster, but... There's a difference between people jumping up and down and, and having a whinge. And and like you said, Macca, uh, people becoming a bit of a united force. And I don't think that the level of disen, disenfran, disenchantment with the club would have been felt by the club sufficiently had all the, all the disenchantment not been pulled together into a, a almost a pseudo movement, if you like, um, and and directed at the club. You know, there would have, there was lots of grumbling on social media, on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, um, and all the rest of it. But it was the ability of our podcasts, other podcasts, radio like Five AA, as you said, uh, all directed straight at the club to the point where the club just could not ignore it any longer. They could not ignore it. And what I would say to people on that point is that as much as the Adelaide Crows is a franchise, and a lot of people would not like me saying that, but it is, it's a franchise, as much as the, as much as the Adelaide Crows has a constitution at the moment that doesn't allow for any member control, um, we only have two member elected representatives on the board, um, and the board and the chair are elected from within with AFL ratification. So despite all of that, and despite the Adelaide Crows having become quite a corporate entity and quite comfortable with itself in many respects, despite all of that, it's still our bloody club. And if enough people uh, make themselves known and are uh, clear and concise about what their problem is with the club, then the club, despite all of those things working against fans, the club still has to listen. And this change with this football club is as a result of 
people. Nothing else. It's not any good decisions. Like, good decisions have been made by the club as a result of being forced to make them. And that's on people that listen to these casts, people that are passionate, buy their season tickets every year, go along, support the, cl- the club through thick and thin. So I congratulate everyone that mobilised, whether they signed our petition, whether they called AA, whether they wrote to the advertiser, whether they emailed the club. Whatever they chose to do, the fact that they chose to do it is the very reason that the Adelaide Club is looking far more positive now than it was 12 months ago. Exactly. It was a, it was a, a closed shop rabble and now it's a much more of an open book and uh, with great, much greater quality people in it. And uh, uh, I'll be glad when Chappie's gone and that idiot uh, Jim Hazel, who's the deputy one, who unfortunately is having a say in uh, who the replacement is because... Oh, talking um, about bloody John Olsen at the moment, that'll be a step back. Well, yeah, and it, that's exactly what an idiot like Jim Hazel would, would come up with because I know the guy, I've worked with him, and uh, anyhow, so I better, better shut up and I'll get myself no, into trouble. Now, too late. Well, <laughs> well, I'd put it this way. I don't trust his judgment. I can get away with saying that, and I and uh, I really hope that Chapman uh, is thinking about what the club would want, not necessarily what he and Jim Hazel would want. So, yeah. in other words, not what they personally would like, but what yeah. they really think is best for the club. The, the only thing I would say to that, Macca, is that before um, Phil's passing. Um, Half the people wouldn't have been able to name Adelaide Crows chairman because Chappie was just a professional board sitter, right? And the tragedy with Phil forced Chapman to come out into the public eye and credit where it's due, he handled that situation very, very well because that's one of his strengths. However, he, he, he was... Did them. What What occurred after that was the problem because having been put into the public eye... He, along with Rue and and Fags, had far too much say over the football operations of the club. Uh, And the appointment of Brett Burton was was the the pinnacle of, or the epitome of that, that they had far too much say. So, and we all know that, and that appears to have been rectified somewhat now. And I think probably... One of the silent results of the review that Jason Dunstall and, and Pav and the other bloke, whoever it was, I can't remember, did, was this separation of corporate entity and football club. And I think that the key element of that is this appointment of Tom Hurley, and this is why I brought it up, this appointment of Tom Hurley between Adam Kelly and uh, the coaching staff. Because to me, that extra head in the footy, admin, or footy ops space to me, uh, kind of illustrates a separation of duties, if you like, a separation of footy operations and club operations. And if that's the case, I couldn't give a rat's ass who was appointed chairman of the Adelaide Football Club because I don't think they're going to have the same leverage and the same level of power as what Chapman did in the last three or four years. You mean, or interference is another way interference, of putting it. Interference, yes. <clears throat> that's my take on it. Um, and oh. Adam Kelly is a very strong person. I, I and... don't raise him and say, uh, I think he's actually, uh, 
We've seen him on TV several times recently. We saw that dickhead Burton probably once or twice, and he stuffed up every time he was on there. So Adam Kelly is a he is a vast improvement on Burton, and I think he will grow into a very good person in that role. I agree. I agree. He's I like what he said with um, Brad and Tyson's indiscretion. He was up front, and that's another thing. He, the rhetoric from the club in these in these situations has been very upfront. Very, it hasn't been you know flowery or anything like that. It's just been very straightforward, short, sharp, to the point. Um, but I think what we're seeing is is a transition to uh, a structure that allows footy operations to go ahead with whatever budget they're allocated and go and win a flag. And uh, Andrew Fagan uh, and the board and and Smarty and whoever else. They can run the club and generate profits, etc., which is what they're good at, and leave the footy ops to what uh, Adam Kelly and, and and the like are good at, and I and I like it. That's the way the club should be organised, in my opinion. Correct. Now you mentioned that uh, uh, about Brad, and you mentioned about Stengel. Yes. Let's have a look at that. Not in date order. Uh, all right. Let's go back. Let's go back. <laughs> Uh, all right. Before anything else, we need to say congratulations to Wayne Miller. We need to say congratulations to Luke Brown, and we uh, and we need to say congratulations to Tex Walker and their partners, who have all announced um, uh, uh, imminent imminent baby news. So congratulations to uh, those three families, and we wish them all the very best uh, during the off season. Those, uh, what else have we got? All right, let's go through the club champion night, which didn't really throw up too many surprises, or maybe one, maybe one surprise, I think. Uh, so Riley O'Brien deservedly got uh, both the Crows Club Champion Award and the Members MV- MVP. Uh, I don't think any anyone would argue with uh, him being deserving of those awards. No, 100% winner. No argument. Um, we had Tex Walker obviously topping the goal kicking. Did he? Did he make double figures, Tex? <laughs> no. He did. He did. Um, Andy McPherson claimed the Emerging Talent Award, which I thought was very well deserved and, and underpins what you said earlier, Mac. About or was it you, Nick? I can't. Nicky. Me. I, I did yeah. originally, and Nicky then jumped on the bandwagon as usual. Yeah, much deserved. Tommy Lynch was an interesting one. Best team man. Um, I, I thought Tom's season was very much a mixed bag, uh, and it, I found his found his award a little surprising. My question would be: Is he is that voted by uh, the players? The players. Or, well, if that's voted by the players, then it's understandable, which means that the guy communicates very well with players at both upper, middle and bottom levels in the club. Yeah, there's no doubt that he's yeah, well-loved amongst his peers. Him and Brody would, no, would have been I, the two contenders for that. Um, it's more to do with uh, whilst he was out, that background work he was actually doing with a lot of the younger players and particularly our forward line players um, and those ones. And, you could, and that's what that award is actually all about. Yeah. It's... Um, and I, it shows you this 
about what he does behind the scenes that people don't see. Yeah, well, and, yeah, well, I, and I, th- I think we all recognise that from Tommy. Um, a good fella and a, a, a good glue amongst uh, the playing group, I would have thought. So, yeah, in, in retrospect, probably what I said. Uh, Benny Keyes wins the Players' Trademark Award. I don't actually know what that is, but I assume it's because he played a right. Well, I think he means he plays like a tradie. Yep, no problems. Actually, he, he, his work rate was fantastic for the year, and uh, he was a very good get, Ben, and I'm glad he got an award. Well, and it's his contract situation that led me to uh, say earlier, Mac, that we don't have finality about the list sizes because he's still sitting uncontracted. Uh, There's no way that he doesn't play for the Crows next season, but I think his contract status hinges very much on what the final outcome of uh, those discussions around list sizes is for 2021. Yeah, but he he wouldn't stay as a rookie, even if if the... Even if they do have two rookies, I mean, he, he would definitely go onto the senior list. Well, it depends. See, uh, he might have to. They can keep him on for two years as a rookie. I understand. No, it depends on he signed. If he that's if he signed for two years. He, uh, I thought, my understanding was you know, he had signed for one. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Anyway, um, but yeah, that, I mean. It's, it seems a little bit odd that he's still in contract discussions, uh, and to me it just seems that maybe that's because of the uncertainty, because we do still have a few out-of-contract um, players. Uh, there's Kieran Strawn, uh, who's out of contract. Uh, there's... Uh, who else have we got? Let's just have a look here. At Footywire, out of contract. Uh, Benny Crocker. Uh, D-Mac Galooch um, Hardigan Paholke There's mm-hmm. a few There's a few, yeah Well, you think I heard Adam Kelly uh, Paholke will go uh, But I've heard Adam Kelly talking about that And uh, he basically said That until they know the list sizes uh, they won't be delisting de- any more players. Yeah, well, and, and that's what I, I guess what I was getting at. That there's actually there's no way that they can, is there? They just can't. No. So but actually, uh, all the players you mentioned there, um, you could probably pick some that yes, they're the, they're the ones that are going to go. But um, just say, for example, they maintain the full forty-five well, then some of those players that would be going would, would probably stay. Yeah. Well, given what's happening with Bradley Crouch um, and there's whispers of uh, strong interest from uh, Geelong, uh, maybe St Kilda and possibly oh, one other. Richmond. Richmond. Um, yep. don't know whether he fits into Richmond, but anyway... Um, the the I, look all right, let's let's quickly talk about his situation with uh, Stengel. Um, personally, I I don't think it'll impact on contract negotiations at all for Brad Crouch. Because no, my first it'd be the most he, hypocritical thing. Yeah, because half their teams, the team he goes to, half their team would be on it at, right this minute. Um, but. Uh, when I first heard it, I really thought he has really stuffed this up in lumps. And as somebody said, you know, it's, a, he, he, it's like getting $100 notes and filling them in a barrel and setting fire to them. But 
Um, and my original reaction was that. But um, he'll get a strike from the, uh, from the AFL. If I was the Adelaide Football Club, I'd give him only a $5,000 fine because he didn't actually take the stuff. He had the stuff, but... Um, uh, the offence, it's not, and there's no police offence involved in, in, in at, at all. Um, so uh, that's what I would do to make sure that kept his tradeability right up there. And uh, you know, and I think from the point of view, uh, the clubs that are interested in Geelong and Richmond, I know are two that are very in, uh, interested in him. And I would have thought that them losing their finals is, is an asset actually in terms of increasing their interest in Brad. And I think that, I still think there's at least probably a, somewhere between a 50 and 75% chance that we'll get picked too. I think he ends up at Geelong. I reckon he's a Selwood replacement in the longer Correct. term. I think uh, that's the most sim- likely. Yep, and I think uh, they'll pay him enough to give a span too, I think. And the other thing, too, is uh, I'm sure that sensibly they'll tell Ab- Ablett to retire, and that gives them a lot more money, too, to play around with. Well, they've got Harry Taylor coming off the books and uh, another guy, that I can't, uh, Lockie Henderson, coming off the books. Uh, you know, yep. Gablett may retire as well. The, the, big th- the big reason why I think they'll, get, they'll give Brad enough to, get band, to give us band two is simply this, that if they get Brad via free agency, then it's a free hit for them only costs them salary, whereas if they don't, if they only offer him enough that we can match, then we force a trade and it's going to cost them more. And Correct. I don't think and- Geelong are in a position to trade at the moment. They've got, uh, I think they've got three inside top 20, but they're all in the teens, I think. Uh, and they wouldn't want to let any of those picks go at the moment, given the state of their list. So I think that they would happily pay Brad Overs to make sure that uh, they don't have to give anything up for him. No, you're on the money, and uh, the fact that you don't have to give give away picks for him uh, is is definitely the key. Port Adelaide, um, may, and it tells me that Wines is probably going to go back to Melbourne. Uh, they offered Brad uh, four by six fifty. Um, Do you know that for a fact? Because- uh, yes, I do. Right. Uh, that was <laughs> prior to the offence. I don't know whether it's still on the table or not. Yeah. Um, but but that was there. That was given to him, uh, yep. 4 by 650 um, And that's, that said to me that Wines is going and he's the replacement for Wines. Oh, and, I think uh, Wines will end up at Carlton. Yes, every, every chance. And uh, so... I don't rule out our neighbours are still coming in into the into the pictures, but apart from Geelong, uh, the, the the issue will be that if, if I think Brad's number one option would, I think Brad has already come out and ruled out playing for Port Adelaide publicly. No, he has not. Yes, no, he, he has not. Yes, he has. He said he'd like to stay. He said he'd like to stay in Adelaide. No, that that was a while, that was a while back, but he is as recently, I think, as last week. Categorically ruled out playing for Port. Well, the advantage to Port in, in it that would be is that they don't have a first round pick. They traded it away last year. Now, if if, if um, they did get Brad, they get him with no picks involved. If they and they move on wines, they'll get at least a first round pick and maybe a first and a second for wines. So that's why it would be a very good deal for Port Adelaide. What do you reckon well, there? Little- um, 
Go on, Nick. Well, little birdie, little birdie told me about uh, somebody who frequents the place, the same place that he frequents, and uh, his comments are (laughs) not quite. (laughs) (laughs) Was he? Brad actually doesn't care where he goes; he just wants the money. Yep. Well, Uh, I I think I think you are right, Nicky. Well, I mean that 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 doesn't surprise me, given that he was exploring the suns last year. Uh, the simple fact is, I, I wouldn't mind betting that Paul are putting a deal on the table just to force us to match, so that we keep him. Um, I, he'll end up at he'll end up at Geelong. Nothing surer. He'll end up at Geelong. I don't I don't think Port will take him, um, and I don't think Richmond are serious suitors uh, and would struggle with cap space. And um, and it's also a very Geelong thing to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's Geelong, and I think it'll be for Band too, for the reasons I mentioned earlier. Um, moving yeah, on from that, though, uh, what do we uh, what do we think of Tyson Stengel now? It's two indiscretions. Um, I'm not. I'm going to be controversial here, but I'm not one of these people that gets hysterical because he had a little bit of bloody stuff uh, in a bag. Um, I think that his first indiscretion driving unregistered, unlicensed and drunk uh, was by far the more serious uh, discretion. Ten, ten times worse. Um, so all these people that uh, uh, get on the bandwagon about drug use, he's, he's not a drug abuser. None of them, are, well, not many of them are drug abusers. Uh, they all get on the gear after footy season's finished. Uh, you're an idiot if you don't. You're an idiot if you think that 50% of your kids don't. Um, it's not as bad as all the rhetoric uh, in the media would make it out to be. Nonetheless, he got caught um, stupidly and uh, there has been a few whispers about an eight-week suspension, club-imposed suspension. Yeah, look, that is a re- that's very dramatic and, and I understand why the club would do that because of the, of the fact that, you know, he had, his first offence got him four games and... So um, your second one's got to be bigger and higher. But I, I also, I'm in your in your court in the sense of the relativity of, of what he's actually done. The first one was a massive, uh, in my opinion, it was a massive Could have killed act against again against the public and society, as you say, yeah. because he driving drunk like that. He could have killed somebody. He did have a crash, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I think he was unlicensed, or the car was unregistered as well. So, I mean, there were a lot of police matters in that, and um, apart from that, a lot of moral fact, uh, factors of not giving a shit about the public in general. In this case, what he's done, the person that, not necessarily even going to damage him, but if there's any person, thing, anyone that's going to be uh, damaged, it's himself, and, but he's not going to hurt anybody else. So if, you, if we're realistic, if it's not a police offence, I don't know how we can rate it as highly as the first one. So from my point of view, I, I would probably, uh, as I said, um, with uh, Brad, I would give Brad a $5,000 fine and uh, some, perhaps a little bit of community service and I would give uh, Stengel $5,000 fine community service and also suspend him for four games max. Oh, no, not four. Not four. No, I'm agree, I'm a, I agree with everything else that you've said. I don't agree with giving him uh, match match uh, suspensions. I really don't. 
he'll get an he'll get an AFL sanction. Um, yep. Um, I don't. Strike me. Yeah. Uh, and we don't know what his strike position is, uh, whether it's his first, second, or third strike. Who knows? Um, at this stage, um, interestingly, the AFL drug illicit drug policy uh, is not only for use but also possession. So he gets that strike even though he didn't test positive. Um, mm-hmm. So no, look, I, I'd be giving him. I, I'd be saying to Tyson, look, if you want to regain. Uh, the trust of the playing group, uh, you know, from a public perception point of view, um, I think uh, community service would be what I'd be doing for Tyson, not not matches yeah, I... because not matches because it just it just penalises the side. It does, and I'm glad we had to go look down the path you're saying. And um, any talk about eight is ridiculous; it's, it's farcical. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, you'll say that you don't want to crack the kid as well. No, that's right. And, and look, in these circumstances, you've got to wrap your arms around these kids. Um, you know, he's obviously got a little bit of a behavioural problem, Tyson Stengel, uh, probably easily led astray. Um, you know, you've got to consider Brad is a senior player that uh, he was with. Um, so you're right, Macca, you've got to be careful. Uh, it was like... It, it, it's not a it's not a chargeable offence. The, the amount that he had was so small that it qualified for the uh, for the uh, for the referral to uh, counselling with no conviction. So we're talking about minor personal use, um, which is of which honestly, honestly, and I'll debate anyone until the cows come home. A thousand percent less dangerous to the public and himself than. A slab of beer, um, which is legal. Um, so I wouldn't be giving him matches. Yeah, my, was- my only thing on it is though that the club would know best what's the way to punish him to actually get him to pull his head in. And because of, and I, and I agree with both of you that that first affair. Way, way more severe um, than what this one is. And so if they are talking about those stronger type offences, to me I kind of want to put my trust in the club that this is what they have to do for him because you talked about throwing your arms around him. Maybe there have been other issues. They've done that. They've thrown their arms around him and he's continuing to do this. You're exactly right, Nikki. We don't know. Yeah, that that's that's why I kind of don't want to put too much out there because yeah. we don't know enough about it and what's going on behind it. And in something like this, as much as a talent he is, and I really do um, rate what he brings to our team. If this is an issue, that's this is not the first time, and I, and I think it's possibly more along the lines of possibly being easily led astray. But, again, that's just an assumption with well, no knowledge. He's a talented um, kid and there's I've, a reason why Richmond would have let him go. Um, talented yeah. kid. Um, but we do have a culture guy now and uh, we're building a culture. And yep. I'm with you, Nick. I think we need to just, uh, you know, uh, let the club do their job. And um, I guess we, when we're talking about it, we can only talk about 
about it on face value. And on face value, um, I'd, I'd be inclined not to give him a match suspension. But if the leadership group and if the, the club um, uh, decide that that's the most appropriate way to get him back on track, um, then so be it. You know, uh, We'll just have to wait and see on that one. Um, all right, what else happened? Anything else happened? I reckon we've just about covered it. I reckon I think we're just about about done, and I can't think of anything. An hour and a half. Yep, I don't think there was anything else, uh, considering Mac and I decided beforehand that we were going to go for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) This is I quietly laughed. But well, this is our version of an hour, though, Fane. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's daylight savings. I'm putting it down to daylight savings. Absolutely. Absolutely. yeah, Yeah. Now, look, thanks to everyone who has joined us on Facebook and YouTube and even on Twitch. J-Mac, thank you. And thank you for those who joined along on Discord for the chat. Um, We will be back again next Sunday for another edition of the Weekend Wrap. In the interim, or in the meantime, I should say. God, I'm tired. Uh, Thanks, Mac and Nikki, for coming along. Uh, It was a good chat tonight. Yeah, no, Enjoy it. Oh, Nikki, well done. Well. You didn't mess up my outro. <laughs> See you later, guys. See you next week.